Welcome to this latest podcast from Russia UK. I'm Jane Russell, Communications Manager, and today I'm joined by Ramadan Yunus, a journalist and filmmaker who is living with retinitis pigmentosa, and Professor Robert McLaren, Professor of Ophthalmology at Oxford University and Consultant Ophthalmologist at Oxford Eye Hospital. Ramadan is the presenter of a BBC World Service documentary that explores the issue of unproven treatments for RP. These are treatments that have not undergone rigorous testing and yet are being offered at significant cost with claims that they can stop or reverse sight loss. Ramadan and the BBC team investigated various clinics around the world and talked to people who had undergone the treatment on offer. They also sought the opinions of various experts, including Professor McLaren. So welcome, Ramadan and Robert. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. Ramadan, for those who haven't yet seen the film, can you tell us briefly about your own journey with RP? Uh, first, thank you for the invite, and I'm happy that uh, Professor McLaren is with us today. Um, you know, when I was a child, my mother noticed that something wrong was going with my eyes, and directly she took me to uh, a doctor in, in Cairo, in Egypt. Uh, the doctor told my mother that uh, your son um, was going to lose his, uh, his vision completely one day. Of course, my mother didn't tell me anything and hided this, this fact on me. At the age of 22, I felt that something really was changing in my vision, and I decided to go and visit the doctor myself. And the doctor diagnosed me for the first time or told me for the first time directly that I had a con eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, which causes deterioration in the photoreceptors of the retina. And uh, many patients who have this disease, unfortunately, uh, may lose their complete vision one day. And... Um, in 2011, I uh, began to search for any type of treatments that can at least stop any further deterioration because I was I was really depressed after knowing the fact that maybe I will lose my vision one day. I found a treatment in China um, and I raised the money for my uh, society and I traveled there to, be, to Beijing in 2013. There I had a surgical uh, procedure uh, on my eye, they told me that they are going to uh, increase blood flow that reaches to the retina, so um, the cells will no longer die, and uh, I will keep my vision, and also improvements will happen in my vision. I went there with much hope. I stayed in the hospital for five days with uh, bandages on my eyes. I began to imagine a new life after my vision would uh, be restored. Um, after coming back to Cairo and I spoke to my family, I just tried, you know, to, to believe that the treatment was going to work, but the truth that nothing has changed and my eyesight has continued to de deteriorate. I felt very depressed and I began to collect uh, much information about the disease. I became an active member in a number of uh, groups on social media that collect RP patients from around the world, and I began to hear stories similar to the story that I had in China. Oh, thank you. So you, you first heard about the clinic in China as a result of those searches that you were doing, or was that via another route that you very first heard about the clinic? I, ju I just, you know, after the doctor told me that I had retinitis pigmentosa, um, I began to go online and search, you know, on, on, on Google, to Google it, to Google the name of the condition. And I found out that 
uh, retinal pigmentosa can lead to blindness. I was very sad. I, I, I told myself, oh my God, am I going to lose my vision? Am I going to stop many habits I love to do before? So I became like, you know, like crazy. Want to find any way to stop my further deterioration. And I found, I just got in Google, retinal pigmentosa treatment. And two adverts uh, came up. One of them was a, a hospital in China, was in Beijing. It was a military hospital. It was not private. So I felt that maybe there must be honest because it's not, you know, it's, it's official, it's informal. So I decided to go there. So I did my best and I traveled to Beijing to have the treatment. Yeah, I can understand why why you would have thought that that it was legitimate being a military hospital. Yeah. Um, we know that um, that sight loss affects the whole family, not just the individual who who's living with the condition themselves. Did your family impact your decision making at all? How did they feel about you going for treatment? You know, before before talking about um, my family and her opinion with going to have this treatment, I remember something now. When I was a child. After my mother noticed that I was not able to see well in the dark, um, as I said, my mother took me to the doctor and the doctor told her privately that her son uh, might lose his, vis her, his vision. So when we came back home, I found my mother crying. She was crying so much. And I asked her, my mom, why are you crying? You know, she told me nothing. Don't worry. Everything is okay. So... After I turned 22 and after I felt that something was going wrong with my eyes, that I started to lose my vision. And after I knew the fact that I have a disease called retinitis pigmentosa, I go back again to my mother and told her, my mom, I found out that I have retinitis pigmentosa and I might lose my vision someday. My mother told me, yes, your doctor told me that 20 years ago, but I hide this fact on you. <sighs> Sorry. It's very emotional when talking about my memories with this disease. Um, anyway, when I uh, heard about the treatment in Beijing, um, I spoke to my mother and my mother was very happy, of course. Um, you know, she, she felt that finally her son is not going to lose his vision. But after coming back from China, nothing has changed and my eyesight has continued to de deteriorate. Now I lost his ability of reading of watching TV or distinguishing between faces because unfortunately I have mutations in two genes. One gene affects the central vision and another affects the peripheral vision. So it's really painful, but I uh, believe that there will be a treatment in a few years. You mentioned in the film that you told friends and family that there had been an improvement in your vision after the treatment in China, but that that wasn't actually the case. Can you explain how you felt when you realised actually there was no difference? Or had you actually convinced yourself that, that there had been a change at the beginning? You know, when you, when you fly for uh, 11 hours from Egypt to China, when you try hard to collect several thousand of dollars, you don't want to say to yourself that this treatment was not working. You wanted to convince yourself that it worked. You wanted to convince you that you were right when you traveled and had this treatment. So I did all of this. And by the way, most of patients who have such, a, such a treatments try to do the same, try to lie on themselves. But you know, after a while, you can't escape from the reality that nothing has changed. 
So you have to confess that the treatment didn't work at the end. And after that, um, I, I began to read a lot. I, I began even to advise people against uh, such treatments. And now um, I do my best to follow the current research, the valid uh, research, and to give people hope that there will be a treatment really in a few years, valid treatments, of course. Yes, I think on behalf of our community, I can I can definitely reiterate that hope for tomorrow is so important yeah. to anyone living living with these conditions. It was really interesting that one of the clinics covered in your film um, is in the USA. And obviously, from our UK audience point of view, the USA is perceived as well regulated and a location for genuine cutting edge medical science. I think it's really important for people to realise that even though a treatment is being offered in a place like that, there are still potential loopholes that unscrupulous practitioners can use. Ramadan, should people just completely put aside their preconceptions when they're looking at these clinics? To answer this question, I would talk a little bit about my own experience with this. You know, after I read about the treatment in China, I spoke to my doctor in Cairo and he advised me against it. You know what I told myself? I told myself, maybe my doctor just believes in the Western medicine. Maybe he just believes in UK or U, uh, USA treatments. Maybe he doesn't like treatments from Russia or China. And I tried to convince him myself that he was wrong. So now, People will maybe will believe that any treatment in the USA should be valid. And if they hear about anything like this, they will go quickly and have this treatment. This is not correct. Anyone hearing about a treatment should speak with his specialist, you know, should do him, uh, some research himself and see if this treatment is really valid, if this treatment is approved or not. Unfortunately, it was surprisingly that uh, the treatment that we found in the USA is not approved. Uh, they do it in a form of clinical trial. The clinical trial is published on a US um, government website, which is clinicaltrials.gov. Many patients go there on this website by millions every, every month to see the latest research. And they found this um, treatment um, on this website. So they tended to believe because it's published on a government website, so this treatment should be uh, valid. So they unfortunately uh, they went and did to, uh, started to communicate with the clinical trial investigation investigators, and even you know they paid like twenty thousand dollars for a clinical trial, which is not acceptable. And Professor McLaren will speak, of course, to us about this. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick up on that, actually. Uh, Robert, is, is payment expected for clinical trial participation in your experience? Um, well, actually, no, it goes against the, the Helsinki uh, guidelines for clinical trials research governance that we all abide by. Uh, I mean, clearly, the first thing is that anyone with a disease should be eligible to go into the trial. It shouldn't be dependent upon how much they can afford to pay. Paying to go into a trial involves it basically brings in bias into the kind of people in the trial and it would lead to invalidation of the results because there'd be an incentive for clinical trial personnel to recruit people even though they might not be suitable just purely because they're able to pay a large sum of money so i would say to anyone who hears about a clinical trial if you're asked to pay to go in the trial it is by definition not a proper clinical trial it is a scam
Yes, very good advice. Were you surprised actually by the location of these clinics being in the USA? Or was there anything else that particularly shocked you about them? Well, one has to look at this from the bigger perspective of freedom. The US is a free and open democratic society, which means people have a choice in what they do. There is no harm in offering something to someone that may be of no benefit to their health if they're fully informed of the risks and benefits. Now, I would give you examples of other treatments. For instance, in the UK, we have acupuncture and acupuncture clinics, and people with RP go and have acupuncture. But no one who delivers acupuncture is going to sit there and tell them that it's going to regenerate the retina and give them an outcome that's been shown in a, in a randomized controlled trial, because that's not the case. There is obviously a strong placebo effect, and that can be a good thing, particularly if you have no treatment options available. So when I see the situation in the US, um, it's perfectly reasonable to have a situation where you take cells from someone's hip bone, stem cells, and you inject them somewhere else other part of the body. But that needs to be done in a way that the patient is fully informed that this is of no benefit to them in terms of preventing vision loss. And there's no evidence of any benefit at all. So this is where I'm afraid the doctors have crossed the line. Uh, you can, of course, have cosmetic surgery. Uh, you can have surgery to, you, to improve your appearance, which involves taking cells from one part of the body, injecting the other. All that's fine. But patients need to be informed. And if the doctors have asked them to have this treatment, as they have done, as you can see in the evidence from the documentary, if they've been asked to have this treatment or told that this treatment will benefit them based on studies that have shown it works, then they are lying to their patients. So that would be fraud. And of course, that is malpractice. And, and those individuals should be struck off whichever register they're practicing from. Yes, absolutely. And 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 also, uh, I, I just would like to add how a doctor still conduct a clinical trial and tell to patient, look, there is no any any side effects. Look, there will be improvements or civilization in vision, you know, investigators in clinical trials are not allowed to speak about this, you know, because it's still a clinical trial. You are testing your your drug or your treatment. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's no way they can guarantee any of those things. And I caught up on that as well about no adverse events. Now, anyone who says that has never run a proper clinical trial. Having a red eye is an adverse event. Having blurred vision, a bit of pain in the eye, all these are adverse events, which should have been recorded in the clinical trial process. So if they're not recording these uh, you know, adverse events, then it, the clinical trial is not being conducted as a clinical trial. And I think when I looked at the information as well, the patients were having vision testing done at home, and that was included as the trial baseline. Um, and there wasn't any proper follow-up. So this really just emphasizes that this is just a sham. It's not a clinical trial at all. And the comment about no adverse events just further underlies that. So Robert, the clinic that uh, Retina UK receives by far the greatest number of inquiries about is the Restore Vision Clinic in Berlin, which offers something called Federoff Restoration Therapy. The treatment involves the application of electrical current to the scalp, not the front of the eyeball. At a cost of many thousands of pounds. Have you come across this clinic and do you have a view on the treatment? Um, I'm aware of it and um, as we're speaking now I'm having a look at the website and seeing what they're saying in the public domain just be sure I'm completely up to date. This is essentially an electrical stimulation of the scalp that somehow improves vision in retinitis pigmentosa. Now I would like to point out an important thing here for everyone listening. Fedorov is the name of the doctor doing the treatment, is no relation at all to the Fyodorov Eye Institute in Moscow, which is a 
prestigious established uh, institution. Um, so it's possible that people might read the name and, and think about the similarities between Fedorov and Fyodorov and assume that it somehow got the official stamp from Moscow. Anyway, let's just put that aside for a minute. Um, here, the treatment benefits are listed as being vision stabilization, increased field of vision, improved night vision, decreased light sensitivity, improved adaptation to light. So those are the five principal symptoms that patients with retinitis pigmentosa experience and the five things that trouble them the most. So these are completely unfounded, fabricated, false lies about any potential benefit from this therapy. And these areas have been selected really to prey on people knowing that one, they're gonna have at least one of these symptoms and that's why they'll contact the clinic. So this is a case of where the doctor has crossed the line. Anyone can go and have electrical stimulation. Of course, you know, it might be quite a pleasurable experience. I've never had it myself, but you never know. The fact is that when you're selling it to people for a bogus reason to improve vision and specifically having chosen the symptoms of RP, it's, you know, thanks to the, the documentary, I think people's awareness will be slightly heightened on this area. And hopefully this, this won't continue. Thank you so much. That's really, um, really interesting and and reassuring. Something that uh, that that our community can take away. Was there anything else about the clinic sales pitch that 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 raises red red flags that we haven't already covered? I, I think one thing that is is clear to me here is that the patients are contacting the clinic and being contacted by the clinic where the treatment is offered directly without going through an ophthalmologist who may have diagnosed their condition, who obviously might give a more neutral opinion. Obviously, anyone with RP is going to want to find out if there's any available treatments. And we are working very hard in the developed world to develop these new treatments. In the situation with the US, of course, and Germany, it's complicated because they are part of what we consider regulated medical areas. But it's always good to get an opinion from your own ophthalmologist who has no financial incentive and would be able immediately to see through these scams. And I noticed that the stem cell treatments and this Fedorov treatment, none of them is pitched towards clinicians. None of them is pitched towards ophthalmologists, towards eye hospitals. They're going directly for patients who are affected by RP. And again, that should raise the alarm bells for anyone who's thinking about going to one of these clinics. Why is an expert ophthalmologist who understands RP not involved somewhere in this pathway? And in, term, in terms of the clinic in Berlin, I found out that they are publishing a lot of adverts they are paying a lot of money for uh, promoting their treatment on on YouTube, on Facebook, on Google. Really, a lot. I I read a lot of advertisements that they are able not only to treat RP, but also to treat StarGuard as well and other inherited retinal and optic nerve diseases. <laughs> you know, during during our investigation, we found out that the two doctors who um, run the uh, clinical trial in the United States. Um, uh, Stephen Levy and Jeffrey Weiss, we found out that Stephen Levy was uh, forced to um, give up his medical license in New York State because there were different uh, 41 specifications laid, out, uh, laid out against him, including gross negligence, incompetence on more than one occasion, and failing to comply with the federal law. We also found out that the doctor who operates that treatment himself, Jeffrey Weiss, the American Academy of Ophthalmology in 2021 have decided to terminate his membership after investigating um, the way the trial was run. But unfortunately, patients who have decided to go and have this, this treatment, 
they don't you know all of this information because because they are not journalists but during that film we we've mentioned that so hopefully any patients who is considering having the treatment to think twice before taking any step ahead towards it um, so what would your advice be then, Robert, on to, to someone who was searching for any treatments right now? So they're 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 on their phone, on their on their computer, looking on Google. What would you advise them to do? Um, do not give up. We are working very hard on finding treatments for retinitis pigmentosa. I've spent virtually my whole life doing it, and I've still got a few years left in me to try and get there. We're working on established treatments that have been shown to work. Gene therapy is an approved treatment for a rare group of patients. Um, and again, we, we, we listened uh, in, in the documentary uh, to Ramadan's unfortunately genetic diagnosis, which wasn't this particular gene, but there are others, and those genes will become treatable at some point in the future. Um, the other thing is that, Often I tell my patients that there's different types of RP. Uh, some types are severe, some are quite mild. And it's important to have a regular follow-up with your doctor because it might be that your retinitis pigmentosa is not progressing as quickly as you might think. It tends to slow down as you get older, the rate of progression. And it's a positive thing because older people diagnosed in younger years feel that they've literally might wake up one morning and have no vision. And that's not the case. It's a slowly progressive uh, degeneration. And it's still possible to you know, have a job, live a normal life and get on with things. Um, and that discussion uh, with someone who's experienced with dealing and meeting with RP patients is a very, very important one. I have many of my RP patients who are hugely successful people who are not in any way constrained by their vision loss in what they do. In France, and I think in other countries, working in a new technique called optogenetics, which are targeting treating the disease regardless of the genetic mutations causing this disease. And they are trying to reprogram another layer from of the cells to make them uh, to make them new photoreceptors instead of the ones that have been uh, damaged because of the progression of the disease and this is a very big hope to patients because maybe maybe patients will ask themselves how many years are we waiting to to be lucky and to find a gene therapy correcting the mutated gene that i have so we would like to tell them that currently there are clinical trials working on something called optogenetics, which will be available for all patients, regardless of their genetic mutations. You know, um, I'm in many RP groups, so voluntarily I follow the latest research everywhere. Uh, of course, it's a valid research everywhere and try to, you know, read about the research, give people hope that there is... There are many clinical trials. Life will not stop. And really, believe me, I'm telling you this not, not because I want to give them uh, fake optimism or fake hope. No, I believe that there will be a treatment in a few years. Are, are there any other approaches to treatment, Robert, that, that we perhaps haven't mentioned yet? I know th these are all very much in either clinical trials or, or possibly still in the lab. But I know that there is a lot of hope for the future. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, let, let me divide it up, really. I mean, we've got the experimental treatments that we're developing. Uh, we're developing gene replacement therapy, uh, and that's showing huge promise. Also, gene editing technology, where we don't replace the whole gene, but we just correct the mutation. Also very, very good. These are going to likely be going to be coming online as a, as a therapy, more treatment you know, options for patients with more genes over the next 10 years or so. Um, the stem cell treatments, I'm afraid, are a long, 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 long way away. Okay, because to try and rewire the retina is very, very complicated. But on the other hand, you've got site restoration therapies, such as optogenetics, which Ramadan mentioned, where we make the cells in the retina light sensitive using a biological process, or even electronic retinal implants, of which I've got a lot of experience, which can work and give some vision, but are technologically very complicated and they are you know, not, not really reliable enough for long-term site restoration in the, the way the current technology is, okay? So you've got current therapies which are going to come online, you've got therapies for restoration, and of course you mustn't forget conventional therapies, okay? If you have retinitis pigmentosa, you will develop cataracts at an early stage, much, much earlier than normal. You're also more likely to develop epiretinal membranes which, and, and fluid in the retina. These three conditions are eminently treatable by any ophthalmologist, retinal surgeon, uh, cataract surgeon, uh, and can be done with, with great effect in improving the vision from the current baseline to you know, how, it how it should be. And for this reason, it's very important that anyone with RP has a regular follow-up, because if you're not going to a retinitis pigmentosa clinic and your vision is getting worse and worse, how do you know it's the RP? It could be the cataract, it could be fluid in the retina. These are treatable elements to the disease. So it's, it's not completely untreatable, the underlying degeneration is, but the complications of RP are very treatable and we need to get in and treat them when needed. You started your journey hoping to find a treatment for yourself that could really help. What would you say now to someone else with RP who is at the start of their journey? I would like to tell them that just to try to enjoy your life and uh, not think much about the deterioration that might be happening someday because now there are uh, a number of clinical trials trying to find a treatment for uh, retinitis pigmentosa and the other inherited retinal diseases in a few years. Never follow anyone telling you, come, I can restore your vision or stop your eye further deterioration because unfortunately, unfortunately most of them are not based on valid clinical trial and they just care about increasing the money at their bank accounts at your as expense of your pain. Uh, and what are you hoping your film, your documentary film will achieve? Um, actually, uh, I hope uh, in general that this film will um, give retinitis pigmentosa patients and other uh, people with visual impairment um, hope that they, they still can do a lot of things, you know, not because having visual impairment that your life has stopped. No, you can go ahead. You can uh, do the work that you love. You can achieve, achieve success. Also, I hope that um, patients who are thinking to undergo uh, any treatments which are not based on evidence or uh, uh, proper clinical trials, proper clinical trials, not to go ahead and having this treatment. I also hope that the authorities and governments in the countries uh, we talked about in the film to do whatever they can to protect other potential victims from falling into the same trap that I and the many patients unfortunately fell in before. So, so thank you, Ramadan and, and Robert for joining us today. Um, I think um, 
you know, the documentary has raised some incredibly important issues um, and it's raised so much awareness amongst our, um, our community, things to watch out for, things to think about and, um, and, and ways to move forward. It, it has been a real pleasure speaking to you both. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. And thank you, Ramadan, for your great work on the documentary. Thank you, Professor McLaren, and thank you for your help during the investigation. And I'd like also to thank Jane for the invite. I really enjoyed my time with you.